making a movie physically and mentally destroys you. You know, it just, it just does. It becomes such a labor of love that sometimes we neglect to look at it as a business. People lock into this idea that there is a correct way to do things. There's not. There's a million ways to do it. Video has become the most effective way to get people to do something that it is you want them to do. It's time for filmmakers to get real with Jeffrey Michael Bayes and Forrest Day Jr. But, you want uh, me to start? I'll start. I found out something, uh, well, we both found out something interesting this past week. If you go to Netflix and you go into the audio options on a show that you like, usually, you know, there's captions and subtitles and that sort of thing. But there's this thing called audio description that I didn't know about. Hmm. I had no Nor idea this I. existed. I, I didn't either until we spoke with our guest. So today we have the guy that does audio description for the blind and low vision people, which, by the way, there's 26 million in the United States alone. And imagine watching a movie, not being able to see it very well, just listening to the audio. Try that. Watch a movie one day, but shut your eyes. Now, we had a poll on Twitter, um, and this kind of goes along with that, that subtitles thing. We asked the question on Twitter, do movie subtitles annoy you when watching foreign films? And the results of this, I'm, I'm surprised by this. Me too. 30% said yes, that subtitles annoy them. 70% said no. They're okay with subtitles. It surprised me that 30% found them annoying. Because, you know, how else are you going to know what's going on? Well, uh, the producers of the films should have a dubbing option. You know, whenever uh, whenever Hollywood films are distributed worldwide, they go through the trouble of dubbing audio and they hire voice actors and they dub audio in each language. Um, Why can't more people think about us Americans? And you can, and you can do that on Netflix, too, by the way, as an option. But the foreign films that come into the U.S., they don't do that. So they force us to read all everything on the bottom of the screen, which I hate. I do not like it. They don't annoy me because uh, not that I watch a lot of foreign films, but I, I've watched maybe half a dozen in my lifetime and I read them. And it's it's the only way I'd understand what's going on. It's hard to be immersed in the film. Uh, well, true. If you have to constantly read the script while you're doing it. That's that's just that's my preference. So, well, now it gives you a whole new appreciation for Godzilla films <laughs> yeah. because those are all those are all dubbed in English and and you know and people make fun of them. But you know, there you go. You don't have to read a Godzilla film. You can actually, you know, maybe I'm dating myself here, but you know, the Godzilla. You're always dating uh, yourself. That's, that's I know a, it. That's a common thing here on the podcast. Yeah, but you know, I just want people to know how wise I am. Okay. I don't look at it as old. I look at it as wise. Right. So we want to know what you think. Do you like subtitles? Are you annoyed by subtitles? Do you wish there was a way you could uh, turn them off? Do you want dubbing for foreign films? Tweet us at Borges Film or email info at Borges.com. The reason we talk about all this uh, and the reason Roy is on the show today is to raise awareness about this audio description feature so that filmmakers will create that for their films to allow these 26 million blind and low vision people to enjoy their films. 
So if you have an indie film and uh, you're getting ready to release it and the distributor is talking about all these options, see if they can do audio description. And by the way, we are now working on an audiobook form of suspense with a camera. And guess who's narrating? Um, I don't know who. <laughs> oh, shoot. I better Forrest. check my emails. <laughs> Forrest. <laughs> Forrest Day Jr. is narrating the audiobook. So, Oh, I got accepted for that audition? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's in. Hopefully people will enjoy the book um, who can't sit down and read it, but they can drive in your, you'll be able to drive in your car or, or mow your lawn and, and um, have my voice up inside your head for six hours. Yep. Inside your head, (laughs) bouncing around. So the other announcement that we have, um, this is really exciting. I have teamed up with Jennifer Dornbush. Remember our Halloween episode from last year? Mm-hmm. Um, her and I are doing a suspense masterclass in Los Angeles in October. Cool. Uh, and joining us is William C. Martell, which you've seen on Hitch 20 several times. He's the guy that's always standing outside. And yeah, he uh, did the, the incident at a corner. He was like, right. Was he at the incident at a corner? He was near yeah, the location. He was, at the, he was at the corner. Right. I'm like, come on, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to do a cool one. He goes to the location. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. So we've all teamed up to do this masterclass. It's an all-day masterclass in Los Angeles, in Burbank, October 19th. And uh, we have a promo code. If you want to save $30 on the registration fee, HITCH20 is the promo code. So type that in when you uh, sign up, HITCH20. And, uh, yeah, so hope to see everybody there. It'll be exciting for all of our Los Angeles filmmakers and screenwriters and uh, you know even if you're a composer and editors if you're an editor this is this is right up your alley yes we'll take a short break and we'll be back with Roy Samuelson audio description narrator that's one thing Alfred Hitchcock was really good at creating suspense with a camera For the last couple of years, I've been teaching Hitchcock suspense techniques at festivals like Buffalo, St. Louis, Palm Springs, Los Angeles. Filmmakers are learning easy tricks for building suspense that are so easy to implement. Now there's a way for you to get access in my new book, Suspense with a Camera. It's available in bookstores now. And don't miss our free docuseries on YouTube called Hitch 20. young man unlocks an apartment door. Vincent and Jules step inside. A second young man eats at a table. Hey, kids. How you boys doing? Hey, keep chilling. Jules motions for a young man on a couch to prop up his foot. He gives the okay sign, then turns to the man at the table. That's an example of audio description, because our guest today is Roy Samuelson, the foremost audio description narrator. Thanks for joining us today, Roy. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Roy, tell us exactly what audio description is and how you go about doing it. Sure. Audio description is a special audio track that lives on top of a movie or a TV show. The um, idea is to kind of like a 
baseball game announcer on the radio mm-hmm. is to give the play-by-play of what's happening instead of on the game, what's happening in the movie visually or uh, the TV show. And so what we do is provide access to blind and low vision audience members to be able to experience the, uh, uh, I guess, the producer's intent of what they're they're trying to, to show in their movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I listened to the uh, Pulp Fiction one that you did. And as some and in the the example didn't have any video, it just had the audio. And it made me realize how dependent we are on video in a movie. So when I listened to that clip, you, you guys had the clip uh, without your descriptors and then with it. And it it blew my mind like, wow, what a difference it makes for someone who, who can't see, but they can now still go to the movies. How do you go about getting such a detailed description? Is it just knowing what to do or are there scripts written? That's a great question. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways that uh, uh, that people can provide audio description. Uh, the way that I do, and specifically for that Pulp Fiction, that was a sample. That's not a film that I that I worked on, but I wanted to use something that a lot of people might be familiar with but uh, maybe hear it in a different context. And so the way that you explained that was so uh, so clear. I really appreciate that. Uh, for the work that I do, uh, most of the movies and TV shows, I'm provided a script. And that script is written by uh, one or many different describers. And describers are the writers. They're the, the script writers. Uh, so that, that can get a little confusing. That took me a while to get on board with. But those describers watch and hear the... Uh, uh, the TV show or the movie, and then they go through it uh, a second pass. Sometimes they do have production scripts that they can compare with. And then they they have very limited time in between the lines of dialogue or between other uh, uh, sound, either effects or other uh, noises that are happening. And they find the essence of the, uh, uh, the story that's being told. And uh, any character... Uh, importance that uh, that might be happening visually. The two different things that I like to distinguish with that is that um, uh, obviously they've got a limited time, um, but specifically for the the describers, mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, it, I, I'm thinking about a picture is worth a thousand words and there's what, 24 to, to 60 frames a second. We're talking a lot of different mm-hmm. images that need to be described here. And so they really have to call down to the most important and uh, and find the way to tell the story. So uh, those, I really have a ton of respect for the describers, and I am reading from a script. Okay, because the words that were used were amazing. Like, um, just to fit them in in two seconds. He, you know, he looked up pensively. You know, and, and to come up with all the words, it, it just sounds so natural. It sounds natural. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a script. So, oh, good, good. But if somebody wants to go to the internet, how can they listen to this comparison so they truly understand what we're talking about? Is there a website? Um, I've got an article on Medium that I share with that has uh, a clip with and a clip without. Uh, and there's uh, different ways that people can access audio description, just like uh, blind and low vision viewers can. Uh, most... Um, I'm thinking about Netflix and Amazon mm-hmm. and uh, soon to be Hulu, that each of those streaming services are very cognizant about their uh, community when it comes to um, uh, access. Obviously, closed caption is is pretty universal mm-hmm. and audio description is, is coming up there. So uh, 
I'm going to specifically say with Netflix, it's three clicks away on uh, on pretty much any app. Uh, it's uh, turning on the audio description in the same way that people would turn on the uh, uh, the dubbing if uh, okay. they're listening to a, a foreign language. It's in the same section. And okay. once that's turned on, it's the same way to turn it off. Okay, so there's a way for uh, people to listen to it and truly understand what we're talking about. Is this done on small indie films too? Like say, uh, you know... You know, just a small independent film. Is it something you would recommend for an indie filmmaker to get done to their film? Absolutely. And that's a great point. Part of the thing that's happening now is not just the access to the film, but also the conversation of the film and to be able to, to speak about it. And, you know, there's water cooler conversations that are happening with uh, with blind and low vision audience members, as well as as sighted people like uh, like myself. So when it comes to independent filmmakers, I'm actually producing audio description for a, a film that's coming out. Uh, I believe it's it's in the festival circuit now and it'll be coming out soon. And it's it's a great way to add even more exposure, I think. There's uh, 26 million blind and low vision Americans. And uh, that's obviously just in America. So mm -hmm. I think that indie filmmakers are are the the cutting edge the the ones that are exploring even other ways to to tell their stories and this seems like a really great fit. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I want to back up a little bit and and get a little bit of your history, and then we'll continue along into the uh, audio descriptors. But you're a radio guy, and uh, so can you talk about how you just give us a little bit about you and how you got involved in this? Sure, uh, I'm going to go uh, not too far way back, but just a little. A little story. I worked. I worked at um, Disney Orlando, uh, Florida, on a theme park called the Great Movie Ride, mm -hmm. and that was a uh, a tour with audio animatronics through different scenes of movies. And it was a moving theater with maybe sixty people with a microphone. And uh, eventually, I played the character of a gangster, which was also on mic, pointing mm -hmm. out all the scary things that were happening. And it was kind of pure live audio description because mm -hmm. there was a script. I had a microphone and. There were elements that were happening that were visual and verbal and audio that uh, that I had to work around. And just doing that show over and over and over again, specifically in front of a live audience, allowed me to kind of practice in the sense of the Karate Kid movie, wax on, wax off, mm -hmm. to kind of see, oh, this is working. This really works. Or, you know what, this isn't working. And uh, when I moved out to Los Angeles... I was part of a script rights group where the the screenplay uh, writers had uh, most of them, all of them were uh, produced uh, writers had um, scripts that they would bring in twenty five pages each and it was all cold reading and uh, they'd uh, the writers would experience what their scripts sounded like with the different characters and I got um, the first time the first few times I did it it was like oh I, you know, I was really nervous and kind of wanting to do my best and worried about how the character came off. And after the reading was done, the writers started talking about, you know, I, I really needed to change this plot point or this character is coming across in a way that I, I really didn't intend. And all of a sudden I recognized that this wasn't at all about the performance that I was giving. It was about our shared communication of the story. Mm -hmm. And so obviously the cold reading was a great asset to practice too, as far as the skills go. But the big takeaway for me was this is all about the story. So when it comes to audio description, my goal is to help the audience fully immerse themselves in the experience of 
of the movie or TV show. And to do that, I can't stand out. I can't do a poor reading and sound, you know, uh, condescending or, you know, uh, anything that would take an audience member out. But at the same time, I think a problem would be if people said, oh, wow, Roy, you sounded really great. If that happens, I didn't serve the story. And that's, that's something that I need to correct. I want people to be able to say, oh my gosh, do you remember that scene when uh, Spider-Man was swinging across the bridge and then he landed and then, oh my God, that was so great. <laughs> if that happens, then that's the connection that I expect my performance to be able to provide to the audience, if that makes any sense. It, it does, because if they can't see Spider-Man swing across the bridge, but they know that he swung across the bridge, then you've done your job. You're, you're the equivalent of the music it, it, from what it sounds like. Like you you hear the music, but you, but the, you, you never say, oh, that musical theme when Spider-Man swung across the bridge was awesome. Exactly. So, and it's a part of the it's a part of the production. That music analogy is great. I really like that. Mm -hmm. you, you can use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like I've even used Foley as an example. You know, if, yep. if footsteps are off or not there yeah. or, you know, too loud, it's like it's got to it's finding that what I'm calling balance in this context. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the some of the Foley, uh, you know, I listen to a lot of old time radio dramas mm -hmm. and it's and it's so funny because some of the Foley is like. You know, the the classic example is when you hear a horse running and you can you just know it's coconut shells now. You know, it's like all I hear is someone doing coconut shells. I don't hear a horse. So it's exactly. it's off compared to what we especially today's audiences. They expect a higher level of um, of hiding reality or, or escaping reality, whatever, however you want to put it up. Sure. And and I love how you brought up old time radio in a real sense. That's that's what this work is. Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me of that. Uh, you know, as a big Johnny Dollar fan, um, <laughs> everyone's looking up. Who I can the heck's hear how Johnny you were Dollar? Johnny Dollar too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for. I love Johnny Dollar. Um, I really do. And everyone's like, "Who the heck is Johnny Dollar? And why is this guy listening to someone from the fifties?" Uh, but uh, well, he is from Hartford, and and uh, I'm only. Uh, you know, 30 minutes away from Hartford. So, um, anyhow, uh, now you, you as a radio guy, how did you get into this? Was it something that you bumped into doing radio or was it something you searched out? Most of my voiceover experience has been, uh, the gamut from, from radio to TV to video games and some other, some other voiceover things that, uh, I never would have even dreamed of. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I, when I first heard about this opportunity, it was, uh, uh, through a friend of a friend, and I, uh, uh, I was I, I wasn't pushy, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I contacted over and over and over again, and eventually there was a, a window of opportunity that just happened to to be there. A lot of the people that were doing this were are uh, uh, they um, it, it's once people like certain voices, they they seem to tend to stay with those, and that's that's changing a little bit. Uh, there's a lot more uh, diversity even in the, the narration side, whether it's uh, disability or people of color or women mm -hmm. or other uh, other groups uh, for representation, which is great news. So uh, when I when I started, it was uh, one audition, and uh, eventually, slowly, <laughs> there were more opportunities that came up. Oh, that's cool. Well, you got the pipes for it anyhow. So uh, right off the bat, I can tell this guy can do it. What's what's the process? When you, when they say, okay, we're going to have you do this movie, 
Can you kind of walk us through the process from start to finish? Sure. And uh, obviously this is just from the, the narrator's perspective because mm-hmm. there's so much work as you know, we had, we had said earlier with the describers and others. Uh, I have a, uh, basically I get a call for uh, uh, availability and then I, I'm booked. And uh, let's talk just about a, a movie since uh, we're talking to filmmakers here. Okay. Uh, the, uh, in most cases, a movie, I do a lot of action, adventure and, and scary stuff. So those are those are a little more text than um, uh, a typical movie with that's a drama that has a lot of dialogue in it. So um, basically, I I try to show up fifteen minutes early than my call time just to mm-hmm. to be there, and I'm I'm given a script that has maybe twenty five pages per reel. So a, a feature film of about ninety minutes would be what like. Uh, uh, six, six reels plus credits. Mm-hmm. And, um, just, uh, basically they start rolling and it's ice cold. Uh, I don't have a chance to read the script ahead of time. So in a very real sense, you know, I can get a sense from, uh, the, the work itself, what, what kind of genre it is and where, where we're headed. And they, they do help me with that, but I'm on for the ride as much as the, uh, the audiences. And I have no idea what's going to happen next. It's kind of exciting. So are you, you're looking at a script while you're trying to watch the movie. How does that work? Uh, there's a lot of, um, I'd imagine it's like watching a tennis game, but uh, sideways. So there's a, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm looking at a monitor. I'm listening to the original audio of the movie. And um, my eyes are also on a, a script in front of me. So uh, within the script, there's cues. There's uh, time code cues. There's um, end of dialogue lines. There's uh, uh uh, explosions, noises, uh, visual elements. And so I'm constantly looking between the script and the, uh, and the original, uh, visuals of the, of the movie and, and syncing up and making sure that it's, that it's all happening in the timing that, uh, the script is asking for. And then when you're all done, when the movie's all done, is that it for you? Or do you get called in for, uh, you know, just, uh, punching in different lines? That's a great question. Usually during the, um, the recording, uh, if there's a mistake, we do a pickup, uh, and that, um, you know, that, that can happen a, a few times. It's mm-hmm. ice cold reading. So there's, there's gotta be mistakes. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're familiar with, with, uh, either yourself or other narrators. It's, it's part of the, it's, it's part of the gig. Uh, so, you know, thankfully technology is that easy that it's, it's easy to pick up. Uh, I'd say for other days when we come in, it's, uh, here's a good example on the TV show NCIS, Mm -hmm. uh, the latest episode, uh, the most recent episode was a cliffhanger that had a surprise ending. And when I got scheduled, I was scheduled for two days, which is pretty rare for a TV show. Usually it's just one day. And, uh, we recorded the entire episode and then they brought me back and they had a separate ending scene that the original didn't have. Okay. And apparently the entire crew was also in the same boat. This was such a surprise twist that they actually hid it from the cast, most of the crew. And, and obviously it, that was passed down to the audio description side too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did have a special uh, re-recording of that final scene with audio description, but that's pretty rare. If um, the, uh, if there's a problem with the movie, usually the uh, the quality control people are also listening along, uh, 
like I'll, I'll do reel one, start working on reel two and the quality, the quality guy will start listening to reel one as I'm recording reel two. So by the time I start reel three, reel one will be, will have maybe one or two little adjustments or edits, but I have to compliment the companies that, that provide this work that they're very con- uh, aware of how uh, things can, they've been doing this a long time mm-hmm. and they get the sense of, oh, this is, this is something that might be misinterpreted. Uh, a great example is a homonym where um, I said that uh, someone, someone dropped their jaw mm-hmm. and uh, I said something to the, this isn't a quote, but something to the effect of they looked A-W-E-D, they looked odd. But when you hear that, it sounds like yes. they looked odd. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, so we need to rephrase that. They had a look of awe. Yeah. So it's, it can be something as simple as that, that, you know, when you're, when you're reading it, uh, just with your eyes, you you might miss it. But, uh, when it happens in production, then those are the sorts of things that, that need changed. And these directors for audio description are, are very capable to, to catch these things. And they're really keeping the sense of what the, uh, what the blind and low vision audiences are, uh, are appreciating. And they're very good about not being condescending and, and saying, and here's something else that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're very conscious to just keep it on the visuals and let, and trust that the audience, just like us sighted audiences can, can make inferences and understand what's happening without it being, uh, told to us. Mm-hmm. How do you feel at the end of one of these, Roy? Are you like exhausted or, or do you know what really happened in the movie? Like, it seems to me that you would be so focused on timing and your script that you could almost walk away and go, I'm not sure. Now I have to watch the movie where I can just watch the movie. Do you sometimes lose track of what's going on? There's, uh, there's, there's several different experiences I have. That is among many. Uh, I'd say the majority of the time, if not all the time, there's, there's almost a dance that's happening that if I am consciously thinking about okay, this timing cue, and then I got to finish this by the end. That's happening. That's, that's part of the process. But by doing this, this work, it, it becomes like a, a, a duet dance, like a, a couple's dance where I'm, I'm a part of the script. And I, I, that's the only way that I'm able to, to keep it going. Otherwise we'd be stopping every, every third word. Mm-hmm. It, there has to be a flow that's, that's happening. And I think that the work that, um, uh, a lot of a lot of the coaches that have given me have have allowed that to happen, and I think it's a real also compliment to the describers that it is so easy to read. It it's deceivingly easy that it's they've put so much work into it to make sure that it's it's going to be uh, telling the story in the clearest and most efficient and useful way. And it's uh, so that's really exciting. And you know sometimes I am going to be reading paragraph after paragraph, and I'm going to be missing what's happening on the visuals. So I do try to keep my eye, I said constantly before, but it's, it's an up and down. Uh, so I'll, I'll take a little glance. I'm, I'm not going to watch everything, mm-hmm. but um, it is neat to see how it all comes together. And at the end of the film, to answer your question, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not relief, but it is uh, a real joy or satisfaction or, or, um, it, it feels good to have been a part of the ride. And it's, it's more like the end of, uh, doing a, uh, a live play as an actor. The, that's as far as the feeling goes, that's, uh, I'd say that's the most similar. Mm-hmm. As you've, uh, started, as you've progressed through these, 
just like the great movie ride when you work there and you were having these aha moments like, hey, I can deliver this gangster line like this and it gets this reaction from the crowd. Have you had those similar experiences as you've done your you've done several hundred TV shows and movies now? Have you had any of those similar moments? Yeah. Uh, and I think the reason that I've had those moments have been through connecting with blind and low vision audiences mm -hmm. and reaching out to them and saying, hey, what do you think of this? What's what do you prefer? And the conversation is changing from just does it have audio description to, oh, I really like this kind of read that the uh, the audience is is distinguishing uh, almost in the same way that uh, we cited people can listen to an audiobook and prefer one narrator over another that, oh, here's this narrator that, boy, I really like this work. And what else have they done? I'd love to listen to this narrator. Or maybe someone else wants to hear a, a certain book and they listen to the first maybe minute of an audio description or sorry, of a of audiobook narrator. And they're like, I, this person reminds me of my ex-boyfriend. I don't think mm -hmm. I can make it through this. So there's, there's all sorts of nuance that's now happening. And I'm not going to be the favorite narrator of, of everybody. That's that, that means that I'm doing something really weird. That's, that's creepy. Mm -hmm. So everyone's going to have their own preference. And I think that by connecting with the the audience and asking them, you know, what do you, what do you like? And I've, I've gotten a lot of feedback that there's, there's some things that really work for them. Uh, one of the, uh, this is more on the writing side, but there are some audio description describers that just pack in every moment of silence with, with dialogue. Mm -hmm. Thankfully that's, that's changing, but uh, the film has, to, or yeah, the film has to be able to breathe and give it some room. And just because there's a pause doesn't mean that we have to be describing everything. It's still, uh, you know, back to the baseball game. We're not, we're not talking about everything. We're talking about the, uh, the essentials of the play by play. And uh, I think that, is the focus that a lot of these companies that provide audio description are, are focused on. And I, I can't help but think that that increases the quality and the excellence of the work. I would 100% agree with you on that because as the, uh, the non-sighted or blind person listening to the movie, they are bouncing between the movie, the dialogue in the movie and the description. So the less description, just enough because you, you want to run with your imagination, and sometimes that can be ruined with too much uh, description. Now, if people want to hear more of your work, like, do you have a website that they can go and check you out, listen to some of your work? I know I understand the Netflix, you know, you can go onto Netflix, but do you have a landing zone for you? Sure. I'm on uh, RoySamuelson.com, and there's an audio description link at the top. And that includes, uh, there's a few samples. Uh, I think even on the website, you can click on samples that's under my demos. And that includes uh, a bunch of different uh, a different selections from some movies and such. I'm also producing a few uh, audio description uh, projects for films that didn't even think about having it. Mm -hmm. And that's not because, that, that's not to shame them. It's just that they didn't know about it. Right. And so I think by letting people know Hey, this exists. Does your film have it? Hey, you're doing a short film. Can uh, are you considering having audio description? And by creating your own opportunities to provide audio description, that 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 accomplishes so many things. First of all, it gives eventually access to the uh, blind and low vision uh, audiences, and that's foremost. That's number one. But along with that, it's it's uh, getting you as a audio description person to get other. Uh, producers to be aware of this work. And 
I think there's a market share that is really worth being tapped here. So these are, these are, uh, this is one of a handful of ways that if, if this is something that's really uh, feeling like, Hey, I want to, I want to do more with this, that that's a, that's an actual step. It's hard for me to imagine, you know, with all the production quality that, that we have even in our pocket, mm-hmm. that uh, there's a lot of people that are creating their own content and how great to have this extra, not, not even, I, I don't want to use the word extra, but to have this inclusion uh, of audio description in, in these projects. I think that's, that's the part that, that really gets me excited in seeing a lot of indie, uh, filmmakers, uh, uh, get on board and embrace audio description with their, their content. Mm-hmm. So be an entrepreneur, go out there and, uh, and look for the find find people, help people. Sounds like a, a, some good advice there. It's also important to let uh, movie companies or streaming services or networks know about um, having audio description. They're really good. A lot of these companies are already aware and taking really strong and bold and active steps to include audio description. But uh, even by sharing audio description with with people that might not be aware of it, learning how to access it, it's it's pretty easy once you understand what it is. That there are people in that either maybe uh, because of our aging population, there's macular degeneration, there's, there's all sorts of things that are going to limit people's vision that uh, by getting the word out, that could help spread to allow people who don't think that they can experience movies an opportunity to be a part of the conversation. One of my favorite stories, and this is not inspiration porn, this is just something that, that feels like the, the, the overall agenda of what we're trying to do here is a, a family of four uh, had uh, two kids. One was low vision. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess uh, one of the parents wrote one of the audio description narrators and said, uh, thank you for providing audio description. This is the first time that uh, my family could watch a movie together. And that sounds like something that a lot of sighted audiences take for granted. Mm-hmm. And the gift isn't the right word. It's inclusion. It's, this is, this is now normal for blind and low vision people. So I think it's really important that the, as we, we share this message in the back of, you know, the agenda is that we've got access to this work and it, the, the reason for it is to make it, to make it a normal part of, uh, of people's experience. And that, that just gets me very excited. Great stuff, Roy. Thank you, Roy. I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing this great information with folks. I really appreciate being a part of it. Thanks for having me. Well, that's our show for today. We thank Roy for joining us. Fascinating interview. Good job for us. Thank you. You can tell that he's into radio. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, he's done commercials yeah. and McDonald's. Now, one of his commercials, he did the voices of some McDonald's French fries. Now, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> the fries are talking. I didn't see that. I, one. Yeah, I haven't heard it, but I, I read it on his bio. <laughs> he voiced some McDonald's French fries. Tell us who you want us to have on the show. Tweet us at Borges Film or email info at Borges.com. We're also on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe and uh, uh, you're not leaving a star rating. Go go do that now. Go to go to iTunes. Leave us a star rating. 
You've only got seven ratings. That's not enough. It, it can't be just me and you doing the star ratings all the time, Jeff. <laughs> and Blondie. Well, <laughs> Blondie's already done it. Blondie has has taken care of his or her rating. And mm-hmm. so everybody else is just slacking off. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe they're so enthralled with what we do here that uh, they're like, <laughs> forget. You know, they're just like, wow. I, I need to <laughs> like, right. come down from that episode. <laughs> or go shopping like yeah. Echep. Yeah, right. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is created by Forrest Day Jr. He's also the host of Rolling Tape on YouTube and a narrator for audiobooks. That's right. And Jeffrey Michael Bays is the author of Between the Scenes, What Every Film Director, Writer, and Editor Should Know About Scene Transitions and Suspense with a Camera, A Filmmaker's Guide to Hitchcock's Techniques. Bye, Blondie. Get Real Indie Filmmakers is a production of Borges Networks, 2019.